0: Well, howdy there, my friendly friends. Today, I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Dr. Todd Lee. Now, I first hooked up with Todd because I found out he was actually affiliated with the same peptide company that I work with, and I had frequented his website and watched his YouTube videos for years, and when I found out he was affiliated with the same peptide company, I reached out to him, and you know, we had some over-the-phone conversations. Before you know it, I find out that me and him... Actually hit it off really well because we share a lot of the same niche interest outside of fitness and health. Now, obviously, Dr. Todd is a medical doctor, but he's also a biochemist and a five-time NPC state bodybuilding champion. Uh, When we were recording this episode, Todd was only a few weeks out from a major bodybuilding competition. So if you hear some background noise, that's actually Todd baking fish in his kitchen because he's on a really strict uh, nutrient timing right now preparing for that show. So, without further ado, let's get the show rolling. Welcome to the Leading Weakness Podcast. It's a soft. You like discipline. But I've got news for you. You're not going to have your mommy run behind you anymore, wiping little douches. Oh, no. It's time now to turn this mush into muscles. So, uh, Dr. Todd, for the people that have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, you know, and kind of, you know, what you do and your credentials?
1: Okay. Um, You know, it's difficult to talk about yourself in 2019 America, because no matter what, if you say anything positive, then the insecure perceive you as arrogant. (laughs) That Supposedly, an accurate self-assessment is called humility. However, it seems that the current millennial culture believes that humility is modesty. So let's define some terms, because we're going to use these terms a lot on a podcast called Beauty Weakness. That one, arrogant means an inappropriate assessment of your own worth or ability. That's the Webster definition of arrogant, whereas the colloquial or urban dictionary definition of arrogant is an offensive or unpleasant sense of self-confidence. So confident or humility is an accurate self-assessment. Modesty is underestimating yourself or your ability. Arrogance is overestimating yourself or your ability. Although those aren't how they're used anymore, That's the actual definition of those words. So it's difficult in 2019 to talk about yourself at all without coming across as arrogant if you happen to have any amount of confidence or self-respect, because people who don't have that are going to perceive it as arrogant. So the insecure perceive confidence as arrogant. So obviously, that's not the question you asked me. But I'm just going to say the truth, and hopefully now that I've prefaced that I'm not trying to toot my own horn, I'm actually just answering the question, people understand where I'm coming from with some of this stuff. So my credentials are, I have a biochemistry degree from the University of Michigan, where I double majored in psychology. Also, from obviously, since the double major is from the University of Michigan as well, I then oh, tried to get into med school and I did very well in my MCAT, but I didn't fill out the um, other rest of the application because my MCAT was so high, I figured I couldn't not get in. I only applied to one school, and so I had to take some time off while I waited to get into med school because of that um, arrogance. And I worked on a master's in neuropsychopharmacology, which I did not complete because I did get into med school. And so I was a medical doctor. I was going to go into neurosurgery and I did some neurosurgery in um, med school at Henry Ford Hospital. But I did not like neurosurgery because the outcomes were not very good. You know, it's kind of like I wanted to be a neurosurgeon because it seemed like a fighter pilot of the medical community. You know, it was a lot of prestige, but you weren't really getting a lot done in a positive way for patient Mm. care. So because I was into lifting weights so much, I focused very heavily on sports medicine. Although I didn't want to do orthopedic surgery, I felt that there were ways to correct the physical form through proper exercise and nutrition, and that was the key to health which in Western medicine, there is no interest in health care. There's only an interest in disease management. And these are some of the business things that you learn in school that they very heavily focus on is you keep the patient sick and you profit off their slow, painful demise. You don't actually try to make it. An
0: that's because <laughs> anytime you go to a doctor, they either want to cut you open or give you a drug to treat you, not cure you. Right. <laughs>
1: Correct. And that's because the, the um, curriculum is written by pharmaceutical companies. The curriculum is not written by doctors. Now, after I went into sports medicine, it was a lot of bullshit where they told me I couldn't write diets for patients because the patients were getting better and they weren't needing pills anymore. My diets were too effective. So... I was asked to leave that program because I refused to do what I was told. I kept doing what was in the patient's best interest. And from there, I just focused on bodybuilding. And around this time is when the bikini division started in the NPC. Subsequently, the IFBB. So I made a living for about five or six years coaching bikini athletes. I didn't really work with men because I wasn't that big yet. Despite winning powerlifting and bodybuilding shows myself, I was a smaller person. So people, men think if you're not as strong as them and not as big as them, you can't help them get big and strong. It's pretty reasonable. But it's not true. And I eventually was brought into a company called Mind and Muscle which was a website that promoted LG Sciences products. I was an LG-sponsored athlete at the time, and I (coughs) developed some products. And I don't want to get into too much into that because I don't know what the legal ramifications are, but the company wasn't doing things with my designs that I wanted. They weren't conducting themselves in the way that I do, which is honestly and ethically, in my opinion. So I went and formed my own company, Valhalla Labs, and I started my own website, toddleamd.com. And I basically worked under the same business model. I just did it all myself and in my way, which is my favorite way to do things, <laughs> and, which is a very arrogant thing to say. You know, the, the 2019 community won't like that. Well, but that's part of it. Uh, L- that's being an entrepreneur. Right. Is, well, entrepreneurs are very not in fashion right now because it's not about whining with your handout. And asking for equality, it's about stepping up and doing what's right and being the best that you can be. And we live in a mediocracy, not a meritocracy, where the mighty are brought low so the meek can inherit the earth. So the website's ToddLiamD.com, and I have coaching programs on there, free articles and free videos on a number, a plethora of bodybuilding and health-related topics, from blood pressure to training To nutrition, to supplement um, ingredient review, and then there's also the Valhalla Labs product line, which is the products I designed for my coaching clients to help them achieve their goals. Whether it's normal fat loss, whether it's just recreational bodybuilding, or if but really they're designed for competition bodybuilding. Whereas very few over the over the counter supplements are actually compatible with a real bodybuilding program. These supplements were designed for actual competition. Yeah, and you and you so, actually just to
0: stop you real quick. I mean, you sent me a really nice care package a couple of weeks ago so I would have an understanding of some of your products before we did the, the podcast and I really appreciate that and I will say not just cuz I'm, you know, trying to jerk you off or anything or, or just trying to suck up since you're, cuz you're doing the podcast, but your supplements really do stand out from the other ones and I mean there's one particular one that you sent me called dragon dreams. Holy shit, man. That is, that is like the best sleep supplement that I've ever used. Um, and you know, I'm a bigger guy. I'm six foot three. And usually if, if there's a supplement I'm taking or, you know, anything that I'm taking, I I, I usually tend to be kind of arrogant and, and take a little bit more just because I'm a bigger guy. <laughs> So, and I, I know that your label on the back of that says, you know, start with one scoop, but you can take up to three, but start with one to, you know, assess your tolerance. So I was like, fuck it. I'll take three. You know, I'm a big guy. I can handle it. Man, it knocked me the fuck out.
1: <laughs> that um, way I design the products, Dragon Dreams is no exception, is I don't look at what everyone else is doing. I don't try to compete. I look up the studies on ingredients to see what works and at what clinical doses was the maximum efficacy. And then I look what works in different mechanisms for synergy. So if GABA increases the neuronal lipid membranes fluidity to allow the melatonin to act quicker and more effectively, and arginine decreases the blood-brain barrier for GABA, I have to look up what's the maximum dose of arginine that induces sleep, what's the maximum dose of GABA that induces sleep, what's the maximum dose of melatonin that induces sleep. And if you use all three of those together, you would normally decrease the doses because of the synergy. I don't. I use the maximum dose of every fucking thing that could possibly work. Now, there's a few
0: things that I noticed about that that supplement – but then that is by far Mm -hmm. my favorite one of everything. And that's not Mm -hmm. to take away from the other stuff, but that one really stands out, man. Because like when I I take it, like I said, I was stupid, started off with three scoops, basically went into a light coma for about 10 hours. (laughs) Um, But whenever I, now I'm at the point to where I'll take it and I'll do like a scoop and a half. And and I, and Mm -hmm. I get the exact effects that I'm wanting. Now, this is an important thing for me because I don't know if I told you this or not, but I've, I've actually got some articles on leaving weakness about this. I've had a severe issue with sleep sleep paralysis since I was a teenager. And I still have a problem sleepwalking a couple times a week. Uh, and this has really, really helped me out with that because it keeps me asleep. And I'm and I know. I've got some friends that have a problem getting up in the middle of the night, you know, raiding the refrigerator. I've let them use this. They haven't had an issue with that, which is keeping them on their diet. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's
1: awesome. But, that's awesome. you
0: know, a few things that I've noticed with this product, and, and maybe you can explain what it is that's is causing that effect. But you, about 15 minutes after I take my scoop and a half of Dragon Dreams, I get real tingly all over Almost like that mm-hmm. beta alanine tingle. And then I feel like real right. warm all over. Almost like my, my blood is flowing better. And then I just feel like this overwhelming sense of like relaxation. And then I'm tired as fuck. <laughs> so, so what's causing the tingle?
1: So what I did is I put in quite a bit of arginine to increase the blood vessels diameter. Because arginine is a precursor to nitric oxide. And a lot of it is also because you're taking the other products. I have agmatine sulfate in Fenris Fury and agmatine sulfate in the, um, the Thor's Hammer. So agmatine sulfate increases the nitric oxide synthase enzyme that converts the precursor arginine over to the nitric oxide. Now, normally people would try to save money by decreasing it or they would sell a separate product. I don't believe in that. Everything I make, I make for what time of day do you take your supplements when you're on an empty stomach? And what are the number one times a day to have an empty stomach? It's first thing in the morning, before you lift, during your lift, immediately post lift, and then right before bed. So I think what's the best shit to take at those times? And so every product has all the ingredients you're supposed to be taking at those times. So they're named theme-based, like there's the sleep product because it's before bed, but it's not just sleep. So the tingling sensation is probably increased blood flow, and the increased blood flow is from okay. arginine. I increased the arginine in that time of day because I'm trying to increase the amount of GABA that makes it through to the brain. Because you're swallowing Dragon Dreams, you're not injecting it into your brain. So, in order for me to get it from your stomach to your brain, I have to go through your bloodstream. And then there's a blood brain barrier. And then arginine helps loosen that blood brain barrier.
0: Uh, Like I said, I think it's a great product. (laughs) Just don't, just anybody that uses it, don't start off with their scoops. (laughs) You might not get much done the next
1: day. don't start off with any of my products at even everyone assumes like some people say the stupidest shit about like the Fender's Fury. Like do you really use just one scoop? It's like, bitch, I use an eighth of a scoop. Like I don't need to use a whole fucking scoop of Fender's Fury to get a workout in. Otherwise I just don't like working out. That like one scoop is for like a 250 pound dude who just came off of a 12 hour shift. Common sense and moderation are not American qualities anymore. That you use the least amount of anything to get the job done. If your gun has 17 bullets, you use one bullet to the temple to kill somebody. You don't empty the clip into somebody. So likewise, if you use a whole scoop of Fenris Fury on your first work, that's not wise. You should use the least amount of whatever you need in order to get the job. Yeah, so
0: like a, like a smaller guy that I personally feel does not need a full scoop of that shit. Like a full scoop is for like a guy my size.
1: <laughs> well, it has to do with tolerance and total muscle mass. So someone could be 6'4 and 250 and have 40 pounds of muscle on them. Or someone could be 5'4 and 180 and have 100 pounds of muscle on them. It's just about how much muscle do you have because the pump products are to make the muscles pumped. A pre-workout is to give you a good workout. A pre-workout is not to make you cracked out so you can suffer through a shitty workout because you hate working out.
0: Yeah, well, the other thing that I think you've got, well, that stands out to me anyways, is your multivitamin products, actually a pretty fucking great multivitamin Uh, that's the, that's the one thing. I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I feel like people focus too much on like pre-workouts and BCAs and all this other shit. When I think like the minerals and things like that, you're putting in your body, and vitamin D and things like that are way more important. I mean, do you
1: agree with that? I mean, yeah. Why would you put nitrous in a car without wheels? Like you need vitamins. You don't need drugs. You know, to accomplish your, your basic physiology is you need electrolytes, water, and, you know, you need your cells to operate. Cells need vitamins and minerals to operate. If your cells aren't operating, you can't grow muscle or burn fat. So it doesn't make sense to prioritize the icing, not the cake. So vitamins are really important. Protein, carbs, fat—you know—if it's the right fat, the essential fatty acids, that's important. The vitamins are important. Some people believe carbs aren't important. That's a—that could be a podcast all itself about carbs. You know, that it's—that's a lot of psychosocial bullshit that goes into carbs. That people don't even know what carbs are, but they don't like them. So the point is vitamins and minerals are extremely important what makes freya's garden so different is that it's got the vegetables the fruit the probiotics the digestive enzymes some stuff for your thyroid and there. are not to replace it but to optimize it And a lot of people don't get the concept of this that they think that everything you put in your mouth is the same everything you inject in your body is the same that if you take drugs for your thyroid It's the same thing as giving your thyroid what it needs to make thyroid hormone. And that's the doctor's fault, that they've convinced people that if you're not feeling good or you hate how you look, go to a doctor and they'll give you drugs or surgery to make you hate yourself less. But now you've become a drug addict and they're your dealer and they're going to want to keep you as a customer. So they've just, they'll what they'll do is they'll prescribe thyroid medication, burn out your thyroid And then now your thyroid doesn't work and you need the thyroid medication forever, but then they underdose you. So you're fat so that you're depressed because you're depressed that you're fat. So then you go get antidepressants from a different doctor and the antidepressants make you even fatter. So now you're fat and sluggish and depressed and no one wants to fuck you. And now you're not having sex so you're even more depressed. So you eat even more, and you get even fatter. And the fatter you get, the more estrogen you make. And the more estrogen you make, the worse your thyroid works. Yeah. But then, as long as you're miserable but alive, they've got you by the balls, so they won't give you more thyroid medication to make you thin. Whereas all you had to do in the first place was just take some iodine, and then your thyroid would have worked fine. And this whole cascade of Western medicine would never happen.
0: Yeah, and you—I mean, it is bad, man. Like as far as like. the the will of the uh, pharmaceutical and I'm not going to sit here and talk smack about big pharma because they have created some really great things that are keeping kids alive and things. But as far as like the whole drug industry, how drug reps work and all that shit, it is fucked up, man, just because, you know, I've seen it. I've seen doctors give people, you know, you know, soccer moms, you know, prescription pharmaceuticals you know lore tabs and things for like a broken pinky and give them a whole bottle way more than they needed to get over it they end up getting hooked on this shit they can't they go to another doctor and they keep going to all these different doctors to get pres, prescriptions filled and then before you know it they're on meth and shit and they're selling, pawning off their neighbor's tv and shit to you know go take to the pawn shop to get their fix and they aren't taking care of their kids I and mean, all kinds of shit, man. I mean, it just ruins lives in some degree,
1: but <laughs> I mean,
0: that's kind of a rant on my end, but I've seen it happen,
1: you know? I mean, when it comes to drugs of abuse, I think that it's the personality type, you know, it's, that's a huge conversation that could be an episode itself is the psychological profile of the addict and what makes an addict an addict before they're exposed to drugs, giving someone an addictive compound isn't going to make them a piece of shit. Giving a piece of shit an addictive compound, you're really going to see what a piece of shit they really are. And it's not to say all drug addicts are pieces of shit, but usually they're babies, they're immature, and then they look for other people as a source of blame, they don't take accountability for themselves. It's this big, huge personality type, the child mindset. They are overparented. And we're going to see a lot of that with this generation of participation metal babies where they've been told that they're special and they're magical and everyone loves them just because they have a pulse. And they have nothing to offer and there's nothing special or magical about them, but they think they are. And then they're entitled to everything. There's no accountability. Yeah. And these are all recipes to being irresponsible. And, you know, taking pain meds because you're in pain, that's reasonable. I mean, the the narcotics are the best pain meds because they shut off your emotional connection to pain, whereas the non-narcotics like Tylenol can damage your liver and ibuprofen can damage your digestive tract and your kidneys. And those, there's more aspirin-related deaths in a year than there are total steroid deaths in the history of mankind. But people think steroids are like heroin or coke, when they're not as bad for your liver as a beer, and they're not as bad for your kidneys as. Well, hey, have you have you to kind
0: of interject real quick? Have you did you ever read that uh, study that came out in 2015 by Dr. Collins where they did a survey on a on 1,905 uh, steroid users and it was like a big study where they like looked at their lifestyle their income and i recently posted this up just a few days ago i
1: read the post and it, it's funny is it what you might have said that it's 2015 but they did that study in 2010 too i mean it's nothing new that for those of you who don't know what he's talking about that basically steroid users are usually over 30 college educated men who are white and make 60 to seventy thousand a year the complete polar opposite from the drugs of abuse community, which are usually poor and uneducated. Yeah. People. yeah. What's so you really got, crazy
0: is most, the, like, like 95% of the participants in the study weren't even involved in sports. They were doing this to improve their overall lifestyle.
1: Mm-hmm. That it's like for someone who's smart and educated to read up and learn how to safely use minor amounts of anabolic steroids to improve your health is not hard. The problem is people hear about the consequences of them because there's people who are really stupid and shouldn't be using them, that they're the ones who get the most attention because they're doing it to get attention. They're just some attention whore. They're like, nobody loves me. I hate myself. So they use drugs and then they post all about it and they get all public about it so people can pay attention to them a self-respecting, reasonable person wouldn't want everyone to know that they're using anabolics. They would just use them and keep it to themselves. And since they wouldn't fuck up, there wouldn't be any drama.
0: Yeah, I mean, man, I'll, I'll be honest with you. you know, I've, I've been using
1: hormones for, right.
0: probably got three years now. You know, I, I'm 32 right now. So I, and I spent probably two years learning everything I could about steroids, the ancillerators that are supposed to go with it and how to cycle correctly. I did all that research. I even read the book. Um, I don't know if you remember that book from the 90s, Building the Perfect Beast. But I even bought, you know, downloaded a copy of that and read that son of a bitch three times. Just I was like, if I am want to do this, I want to make sure I do it right. And it is that is the, the thing for anybody who's even thinking about going down that path. It is definitely not for the faint of intelligence, and it's not for um, the shallow of wallets, because it can get expensive if done properly. I
1: mean, My experience is your average person, even when given very clear dist- directions on what to do, will fuck it up. So over the years, I've learned that it's never a good idea to give people advice or encourage it and even if you have a client you know you're doing coaching for someone i guess you and, fire in
0: the back you already killed somebody today yeah there's a, there's a fire truck it's gone now
1: that, um even if someone's a client and you give them very clear instructions they'll fuck it up so it's i'm pretty much loathe to help anybody with it because even if it's super fucking simple like legos like put the red Legos with the red Legos to build a red building, and the blue Legos with the blue Legos to build a blue building. And red Legos and blue Legos don't go together. Motherfuckers will put red and blue Legos together, and you can't unteach them. Stupid. That there's no way you could try to educate stupid people till you're blue in the face. It's never going to change.
0: You know, I think there's a difference in. I don't know if it's so much that people are stupid, or if it's just people are just not independent because I, I've noticed, you know, I can put out an article or put something up on Instagram and i you know, I'll give you an example, Todd. You know, there was a piece of content that I put out recently and I used the acronym PED for, for, for performance enhancing drug. And a person said, what does PED mean? And I said, well, it's an acronym. Look it up. And they said, I know it's an acronym. Right. What does it mean? So I don't know if it's just people are unintelligent, there's a lot of unintelligent people or there's just people that just are just just aren't independent anymore and people just expect the answers
1: to be handed to them. I say stupid to mean a bunch of things. So stupid's a slang term. Slang terms aren't specific. So s- stupid could be unintelligent, slow-witted, immature to the point of non-functional, emotional to the point where their emotions cloud their judgment. It could be unwise. So, case in point, this individual is some entitled fucking baby who's too goddamn lazy and self-absorbed to look up what the acronym PED is. And the fact that you made them feel stupid, they get bitchy and talk back. And it's like, motherfucker, for the amount of time you just talk back, you could have typed PED in Google, you lazy yeah. fuck. But they like the fact that they were getting negative attention out of you. So usually in situations like that where I have some whiny fuck, I just block them because I don't want people like that contaminating my pool. Yeah, Well, and and to
0: kind of back up a little bit, you know, this is a person that's not part of the normal following or my subscribers to my website. This isn't a normal person because anybody Mm -hmm. who's listening to this is probably a pretty intelligent person because of the type of content that I put out and the sort of engagement that I get on a normal basis. So I would say probably most of the people that are listening are pretty, pretty intelligent people.
1: Well, I mean, and the name of this podcast is Leaving Weakness. So any insecure, weak piece of shit is going to be like, I don't want to be, fuck them. I'm not weak. I'm magical. My mommy told me so. So they wouldn't even listen to this. So you're gonna get people who want to leave weakness, people who want to walk in a direction of power. And that simple idea of improving yourself is above average in intelligence, wisdom. You know, maybe they might be slower witted, maybe they have to listen to this two or three times. But the point is they're not we're not gonna have weak, stupid people listening to this podcast. So, and the whole point is not to baby. And not to talk down, but to assume that the listener has an equivalence and thus be respectful. And by respectful, I mean I'm going to talk the way I would want to be talked to. I'm not going to be nice. Because to me, being nice means being fake. You're diluting your content so as not to offend offendable people. To me, it's a sin to be offendable. If you're so fucking sensitive that somebody talking in generic terms, not even to you, hurts your feelings, you're such a fucking pussy. You need your feelings hurt so bad that they callous the fuck up, and you're not going to get hurt so easily. That it's you're not entitled to be sensitive, even though that's what all these social workers want you to believe in all these human resource departments and these school guidance counselors that want to pussify people to make them easier to manipulate and control, I'm the opposite. I'm going to try to empower people to be the best they can be. And the most important thing is not being a fucking pussy.
0: I mean, honestly, Todd, there's only three things that offend me. Um, One is people that get offended (laughs) over stupid shit. Uh, People who can't drive and don't need to be driving, mm-hmm. and three, anybody who does the wrong shit to kids, because I'm a parent, and when I see fucked up shit involving kids, it offends the hell out of me, and just pisses me off.
1: <laughs> Those are reasonable. Yeah.
0: So, let me, let me ask you a question. You know, so you, you're, with your coaching service, I mean, do you do a lot of men as well as women, or do you kind
1: of just, just it's almost all men now, it's almost all men, that I found that with in-person personal training, it's almost all women. Online coaching is almost all men. I can give you my opinion as to why that is, but that's going to offend most women. So I don't want to alienate all the women listeners. I think that the simplest way to put it is, Men believe they know what they're doing even when they don't. And by the time they actually are hiring an expert to tell them what to do, they want to have the anonymity to do whatever the fuck they want half the time anyway. And that's why I say they're stupid when they give you, when you give them very clear instructions on how to do steroids safely and they fuck it up. Because they think that they are going to take what you teach them and they're going to listen to their buddies and they're going to mix it together and get something even better. And then they just get tits and they get acne and they get their hair falling out and makes her whining like a little bitch. And you're like, oh, so you basically added testosterone to this perfect cycle and you gave yourself a bunch of side effects because your friends all have the same side effects. And everyone, you know, uses testosterone and you all have the same side effects. And none of you are fucking smart enough to realize the side effects are from testosterone. Whereas women, they know they don't know how to lift weights and they want you to show them how to lift weights. They get their diet, they get their training, they're expected to do it and to check in on Fridays. And the women that stick to the program and do great tend to either be existing personal trainers that coach men and women, not just women, and or people who've competed in the sport before. They tend to do really well. That if a lot of women hire a coach or a trainer because they're expecting to get a cheerleader, and there may be a lot of cheerleaders out there who claim to be coaches, but anybody who's actually played sports or seen a football movie and saw how the coach actually coaches people They're not a fucking cheerleader that they call you on your shit. They point out when you're not trying your hardest. They tell you when you're not doing a good job so you can improve on your weaknesses. It's not their job to build you up. You're supposed to have confidence. You're supposed to believe in your spouse. You're supposed to know that you can succeed as long as you have the appropriate tools. The coach's job is to give you the playbook and your job is to run those plays. To use a military example, the drill sergeant comes up with the drills and makes sure your ass does the fucking drills. Your drill sergeant doesn't tell you you look pretty and brush your hair at night. And, you know, that's not a popular American way of doing things. That you'll get more honey, you'll get more flies with honey than you will with vinegar. It's like, I don't want any fucking flies. I want champions. So that's why I just approach it like I'm going to make some special forces troops out of the regular human population, and that's the goal. So what is Valhalla Labs like? has Viking themes as the main apparent? right? It's not um, My Little Pony themed. It's fucking Vikings. Vikings are badasses. If you want to be a badass... Then, Vic, then Valhalla Labs is the right supplement company and I'd be the right coach. If you want to be my little pony, then there might be a coach that's a cheerleader that's going to tell you you're pretty and you're doing a great job no matter how shitty you're doing.
0: Now, when you coach, do you only coach people that are doing contests or do you coach like normal people that don't
1: do contests? 90%, 90% are normal people. Okay. Because I know that, Boston
0: Lloyd, he has a coaching service, but he says over and over, you know, I'll only coach people that are competing.
1: Right, but that doesn't mean that's a marketing tactic. You get then is you get people who think they want to compete. So they're at least expecting to have something hard. If you get somebody who's, let's say, a musician who's 400 pounds and he's obese and he just wants to be less obese, he's not going to work very hard. He's not going to try. He thinks that the way to go from 400 pounds to 300 pounds is harder than going from 180 to 160. Like they don't get it that their life is not hard. They make it hard that the types of people that don't want to try tend to be the more overweight people. The types of people that are going to try tend to be the thinner, more in shape people. So saying, I want the best. I don't want the shit. Then you're going to get people who are more motivated to follow directions. And it's going to be easier to work with them and get results. Whereas if you're like, I'll take everyone, no matter what your motivation level, you're going to get some extremely unmotivated people that are just going to want to complain to you about how they feel and have you validate their bullshit feelings, but they have no interest in actually doing anything. Like if they eat one of their six meals a day, they want you to tell them good job. That's so- why he said. Telling- so it, he still will, I'm sure he still works with plenty of people that aren't competitors. They're just called first time competitors because they've never competed before. And 90% of the first time competitors quit before they ever get a month into the program because they most people can't do anything right, no matter how much directions you get. just don't care. I would say 90% of people. They'll buy a program. They'll look at the diet one time and I'll never hear from them again. Ugh. They'll never check in a single... They won't do the diet for one day or one week. They just read it and say, I can't do this. and not, and never contact you again. Not 60%, not 80%, it's 90 fucking percent. That's sad. It's pathetic. It's America. That America has become so weak and so helpless and so entitled that they can't do a fucking thing for themselves, even if their life depends on it. And that's not me not being patriotic. That's me being ashamed of how things have gotten. Because in my opinion, it's all of this social progress and these social workers teaching people to express their feelings and to indulge in their self hatred and to wallow in self pity has created generations of losers raising people, children, to grow up to be fucking entitled losers. That nobody tries anymore at anything. The concept that good things come from hard work and nothing in life is free are things that kids aren't taught anymore. Because the Taco Bell smiles are free. <laughs> well,
0: you're getting ready to do a show, though, here in a few weeks, aren't you?
1: I'm like uh, 18 days out right now. And I'm actually, like, in a really good spirits. like people are like, oh, he's just a dick because he's a contest. No, I'm always a dick. I'm a dick every goddamn day. You know, it's like, and if you're cool and you're, like, a reasonable, responsible person, we're going to get along great. It's the people that whine and complain that hear the negative in what I'm saying. Like, if you don't like what I'm saying, it's because you're personalizing it and you're identifying with it which means that it's something painful for you to hear because the truth hurts. If you're agreeing with me, then you're sick of these whiny fucking turds running shit and complaining. And the problem is the news and the social media present the whiny minority as if it's the majority. And this is the case with a bunch of shit. Like, there's a lot of social issues that are being tossed around these days on Facebook. And it's like, I'm so fucking sick of seeing politics on Facebook. Whatever happened to religion and politics is off limits.
0: Oh, dude, you can't go see a fucking movie, like a a superhero movie anymore without having politics shoved down your throat. (laughs)
1: Like the Captain Marvel bullshit. Like, I don't talk about what you think, Brie Larson. Just shut the fuck up and play the character and go away. Like this social justice, it's not justice. It's you are fighting for your clique to have more power. You feel that you're underpowered and underrepresented and you're fighting for more power and control. But when you are in power and when you are in control, you're not going to turn around and fight for men's rights. It doesn't work like that. So I'm just so sick of this social justice bullshit. It's not justice. It's just greed. It's power grabbing and greed.
0: It's fucked up many, as many fucked up issues that are going on. It just kind of like a guy taking a little bit of testosterone is like the least of the problems.
1: (laughs) Surprisingly, I've never had a woman have a problem with that. I've never had a woman complain. I had a really stupid woman once think that steroids made your dick smaller. And I'm like, so if all people (laughs) and male hormones convert a female fetus to a male fetus and converts a clitoris to a penis, why would male hormones make the penis turn back into a clitoris? Well, I don't know. I heard it from a doctor. I'm like, you're talking to a doctor right (laughs) now, you know, and so. It's just funny that it's only been one woman, though, that's ever said that. I've only met one woman that's stupid that they thought that taking a male hormone will turn a male sex h- organ into a smaller organ. But most of the time, women have never had a problem with steroid use or testosterone. But then I meet all these guys who are like, oh, my girlfriend or my wife doesn't want me using steroids. And I was like, I wonder why all these people have these women in their lives to tell them what they can and can't do. And I've never ran into that problem. Well, I, you know what, You know what, Todd, honestly,
0: um, my wife has always been very supportive of everything I've ever done. And I think, you know, I, I I've, I've experienced what you have just mentioned with other guys as well. I've got a buddy that hides his fucking stuff that he uses in fucking yogurt uh, containers in his fridge. Cause that's the one thing his fucking wife won't use. And I'm like, dude, why would you do that? Just, Have to talk with her and say, this is something I want to do and let her know that it's safe, you know, and and that you know what you're doing. Just be honest. I think a lot of things, I think a lot of guys put themselves in bad situations and bad situations just because they're not honest with the people in their life.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, honesty is really important. And I'm a very honest person, which is the source of why people like me and the source of why people don't like me is that I'm extremely honest. I say exactly what the truth is. And this is where it becomes the big difference. Men tend to hear what I'm saying and realize that even if they don't understand what I'm saying, they can tell I'm smarter than them and they should listen. Whereas I find that a lot of women, if they don't understand what you're saying, they think that you're trying to deceive them and then they disbelieve everything you say. So I think that if a woman doesn't understand the argument for why steroids are safe, because it's too much science and they don't have the attention span, then they're just going to divert to what they believe, because that's what the first thing they heard. Most people just believe the first thing they heard, assume it's true, if it's simple, like steroids are bad. Okay, that's simple. I believe it. Steroids are not bad for these reasons it's that stupid people using steroids hurt themselves because they're not smart enough to use them correctly that then what happens is women that's just too much listening they don't believe it's true because it sounds like it's a deception or control so they just just are skeptical and discredit it. So, and that's everything. It's, it's just jargon. If you use, if you say, I'm hungry, I should eat, people believe you. If you're like, my blood sugar is getting low and it's imperative that I increase my caloric consumption, people think you're trying to make them feel stupid because you're using big words. So, you have to go out of your way to accommodate them by talking down to them to make them feel like you're not talking down to them.
0: So, speaking of drugs and caloric intake, uh, do you mind to dispel what it takes for Todd Lee, diet-wise, to uh, win first place Mr. Michigan here in 18 days? I mean,
1: uh, let's make that a more specific question.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, are you doing the whole keto thing or... No. It ever, everybody think, seems to think Is the greatest fucking thing to ever Happen
1: in fucking diet I mean the reason why keto popular is it's usually Uneducated obese people Who do it because How do they get fat they ate a bunch Of carbs their diets Mostly carbs so if you're like Don't eat any carbs they're eating Way less calories So now they've reduced their calories So they're going to start losing a lot of fat That's not because they're carbs. That's because it's what they're eating. If you had a culture that ate nothing but bacon and you're like, let's switch them from bacon to tilapia. They'd lose a bunch of fat because most of their calories came from fat. It's just calories. So yes, I eat clean. And yes, my timing of my meals is structured. And yes, my protein, carbs, and fat are precise, but that's just because I'm trying to do things as close to perfect as possible that I could do a shittier diet and get very similar to results. You know, it's doing a perfect diet. Isn't the key. People believe that it's 80% diet. That's because their lifting sucks. If you don't know how to lift or you're weak as a kitten, then yeah, it's 80% diet. But if you can lift and you know what you're doing in the gym then your training drives up your metabolism and it diverts so many of your calories to muscle repair and new muscle synthesis that food isn't as important. Obviously to be the champion of a state in bodybuilding, you would have to be good at diet and training. So to be very specific with your question, no, I don't use keto when trying to win Mr. Michigan but that doesn't mean keto wouldn't work with someone who eats nothing but dairy and bread. And it also doesn't mean that what I do to be a bodybuilding champion is the same thing. A regular person should do to lose fat. Yeah. Because I'll be honest
0: with you, you know, I've tried keto in the past, dude. I felt like shit the whole time. And I, I, you know, I personally feel for my body type and my lifestyle, the best thing for me to do because, because I'm 32, I'm at the age where I just want to feel good and look good. And for me to feel good, I find that, you know, not having breakfast gives me plenty of energy and then having a late lunch and a couple of meals, you know, around dinner time and staying low carbohydrate, high protein, moderate healthy fats. That works best for me. I also like to get up at five o'clock in the morning and work out on an empty stomach too. So, you know, I guess I'm kind of different there, but you know, so how many hours a day are you putting in the gym right now?
1: That's a good question. I don't really keep track like that. I mean, if you, okay. So yesterday I got to the gym at five Oh two and I drove away at eight thirty. And that was my second time of the day.
0: Now, are you doing cardio at the gym or are you like out outside running cardio?
1: So yesterday was a short workout. I went to the gym. I did a little bit of cardio. Then I did shoulders and deadlifts. Then I did some more cardio. Then I did tanning. I did the massage chair. And then I left. And that took three and a half hours. The earth, so I usually go in the morning. I burn 500 calories on assorted cardio equipment. You know, some equipment, it's easier to get your heart rate up than others. Like on a treadmill, I can't get my heart rate up and unless I'm jogging. And that's not good. It's too high impact. On an arc trainer, that's a lot more energy. But I don't want my heart rate getting up too high when I'm fasted because then it's going to burn muscle. I find that if... For me, right now, I can get away with 130 heart rate and not smell like ammonia. If my heart rate gets over 140, then I'm going to smell like ammonia. Can you explain, so I try can to, can
0: heart- explain to people why, what happens if you smell ammonia? Because a lot of
1: people don't know. Okay, so when protein is broken down and converted to carbohydrates, it's because it's deaminated. So when a protein is made up of a string of amino acids, amino acid so the amino group or ammonia group is cleaved off nh3 and it sweats out through your blood so if you smell like ammonia it is physical evidence just like semen in a crime analysis or blood you know it's fucking proof you lost muscle so if my underwear smells like ammonia but my hat doesn't no big deal if my knee sleeves smell like ammonia and my underwear smells like ammonia but my shirt doesn't Probably no big deal. It's not a lot of ammonia loss. If people walking past me say, do you have a cat? Did it piss all over your clothes? You lost a lot. So losing muscle is not good. means that you, first of all, as a bodybuilder, muscle is important. But even for people who don't think muscle is important, muscle or the lack thereof is the reason why you're obese and you're trying to lose fat. That if the more muscle you have, the higher metabolism. The reason people gain body fat is because they're eating more calories than they're burning. So the more muscle you have, the easier it is for you to get away with um, having what do you call it? Food. So if I'm a hundred pounds of muscle and my basal metabolic rate is 3000, that means I could eat 2,800 calories a day and lose fat. Let's say you had a woman who's got 20 pounds of muscle that means her basal metabolic rate's 800. That means in order for her to lose fat, she has to eat 1200 calories and burn 500 a day. And so when you take into consideration, let's say a leg press, if you do hundred pounds on the leg press 20 times, you burn about 10 calories. If I do a thousand pounds on the leg press 20 times, then I just burned hundred calories. So it means that a man who's strong can burn more calories lifting than he can doing cardio. But most women would have to walk on a treadmill for an hour to basically get the same amount of work that a guy can with a leg press in five minutes. So when you take into consideration the extra muscle mass and basal metabolic rate it provides and the amount of extra force you can generate with your muscles, and how much calories are burnt when you actually lift weights, the stronger you are, the more calories you burn. There's this exponential increase on the calories you can go through in a day when you're stronger. So you never want to lose muscle under any circumstances, no matter what. No show's important enough to lose muscle.
0: Now, are you, so you, allowed, are you allowed to talk about... Uh, what sort of performance enhancing substances,
1: you know, gear or peptides or anything like that you're utilizing? I mean, nobody tells me what to do. That's the benefit of owning your own businesses is you don't have a boss, right? So, I mean, yeah, I use performance enhancing supplements to preserve muscle while I'm cutting that I, um, you know, of course, I've got Valhalla Labs, which are over the counter and officially not considered performance enhancing drugs but they're all designed to work with and amplify the effects of performance enhancing drugs, unlike other supplement companies. So the other supplement companies like, um, so popular drugs are like T3 wrath of the Valkyrie is made to work in tandem with T3. It works better with, it makes T3 work more efficiently than T3 alone on top of providing all the benefits of a normal diet pill. Um, clenbuterol is also useful because it's asthma medication. It improves your cardiovascular ability and it directly burns fat. You know, most bikini girls are familiar with clenbuterol and T3 and most bodybuilders are as well. Those are very basic cutting drugs, but they don't protect the muscle. So anabolic drugs that people use before a show are typically Trenbolone for men and winstrol. The advantages of these are multifarious that um, specifically, winstrol prevents cortisol from being released from the adrenal gland. Cortisol directly eats at the muscle tissue. So by preventing the cortisol from being released, there's no way for your body to generate energy from muscle tissue. So we were talking about the ammonia spell earlier. The higher your heart rate goes, the more of your percentage of calories burned comes from carbohydrate sources than fat sources. So what happens is your body starts breaking down protein, amino acids, to make the carbohydrates, and then you get the ammonia smell. By having Winstrol, you prevent the cortisol from being released. It's much harder for your body to generate energy from amino acids unless it's in your liver, and therefore you just hit a wall much quicker when you do higher intensity things. You know, a lot of times people at this phase – try to do higher reps, I find that because you have no carbs, you can't really do more than 12 reps. It doesn't matter how heavy it is. You hit this 12-rep barrier, it could be 100 pounds. You normally say you could do 275 for 12 reps, no problem. You can't do 14 reps with 100 pounds. But you can still do 12 reps with 275. It's like for some reason there's a magical barrier at the 12-rep point, and that's because you're switching over from creatine phosphates over to carbohydrate glycolysis and you don't have enough carbohydrates for glycolysis. So you were saying about muscle anabolics preserving tissue, you can't use anabolics in a woman because as we talked about earlier, all people start as a female and then androgens or male hormones convert a female to a male. So if you give a woman, even an adult woman, Androgens, it starts to slowly convert her to a man, and makes him ugly. So you don't want to be ugly just to do about a bikini contest. Obviously, as a man, the more androgens you take, the more masculine you look, the more attractive your face looks. So it's like <laughs> as you use anabolics over the span of five or ten years, you will have a more masculine look to your face. Mm-hmm. Some people may not like that. Cause they don't like masculine looks like men don't think they get look better looking, but, and they don't look pretty, you know, you're not going to look like um, Zach Efron, but you will look more like the mountain on game of thrones or more like the hound on game of thrones. And it's like, who did Sansas talk to at the party? Did she talk to Gendry? No, she talked to the hound because it doesn't really matter if you've got a pretty face. What matters is how masculine you are is what's going to attract the females. And just like being feminine is what attracts males. So if women use male hormones and start to look more androgynous, they become less attractive to men, but they look more attractive to themselves and to other women. So that's why when girls do these shows, they think they look better with biceps and bicep veins and abs as their faces get more masculine, they don't look better. They just look better themselves because they like masculine people. Hmm. So that's why it's really important to stay away from anabolics if you're a woman under any circumstance, no matter what your coach tells you, no matter who your coach is.
0: Okay. So, what uh, is there anything else that you're you're using or that you find beneficial for someone who would theoretically be in your position?
1: I mean, I use a lot of shit. So right now I use growth hormone. I'm using growth hormone fragment 176, 191 for the first time. That's special because growth it's the last 15 amino acids of growth hormone. So it binds to the fat burning effect of growth hormone, but not, doesn't have the other effects of growth hormone. So it's a way of, if you can't afford more growth hormone, you can use the GH fragment to make up the difference now that, that, and, that that's a peptide though so it's not you know. yeah i got that from optimized peptides is who i go through it's a company i'm affiliated with they have really good products and the code is todd 10 and i also use igf1 lr3 from them which is really useful it helped me keep my size in fact when I was 186, my arms, okay, so when I was at 200 pounds. My arms were the biggest they'd ever been. It was 17 inches and 11 ths Yes, I measure it to the 16th because the arms are the first indicator you're losing muscle is your arms. And I do not want to lose muscle. So there was some fat. So it's understandable they're going to decrease a little bit. By the time I was at 186, they were down to 17.5. By the time I was down to 184, they were down to 17. I started using IGF-1LR3. I was 174. They're back up to 17.5. Jesus. So even though I lost 10 pounds, I gained back the size of my arms I was losing.
0: Now, IGF-1LR3 is notorious for being fake, though, as far as peptides
1: go. What's funny is the thing with optimized peptides is they actually triple check the ingredients of all their products. They send it to multiple labs and pay a fortune to make sure that these products are real. And I saw the actual test results, like really fancy spectrometer shit that's over anyone but a PhD level's head. And it showed equivalency between I believe it's called Immacrolex, which is the prescription IGF-1-LR3 and optimized peptides, IGF-1-LR3. And I've been using IGF-1-LR3 for 10 years off and on. This was the most effective IGF-1-LR3 I've ever used. I, just, I usually use 50 micrograms a day for 20 days and I've been off of it for two or three days and my energy level shot through the roof. And the reason is IGF-1-LR3 drive so much muscle synthesis even when you're in a calorie deficit your calories are going towards muscle synthesis so because i'm blocking my cortisol release with Winstrol, there's no way for my body to generate energy except for fat loss from the clen and the t3 so there's a slow steady burn of energy from fat but there's no way to quickly release stress hormone to break down muscle to generate quick energy So since all my food calories are going towards muscle synthesis, and I'm not on very many calories, and because all of my energy calories are coming from fat oxidation, which is a rate-limiting step dependent on how much mitochondria I have present, then there's really no way for me to have energy. Now that the LR3 is out of my system, my body isn't diverting energy towards muscle protein synthesis, and now my food calories are going towards actual energy. For me to get through my workouts in my day. Shit. So, yeah, LR three is really powerful for either fat loss or for muscle building, but you pretty much have to go three weeks on, three weeks off, alternating. And that,
0: but and that's, that's one of the ones that I think you told me actually has to be—it uh, be, can't
1: be reconstituted with regular backwater, or it, it can. It can. You just lose ten percent. That so, if you have one milligram of IGF 1 LR3, you're only going to get 900 micrograms if you use backwater. But if you use an acetic acid solution, basically a mixture of vinegar and backwater, then you'll get the full 1000 micrograms.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I yeah. actually think I saw that on Optimized Peptide site uh, where they sell the backwater and the acetic acid water. I'm using a uh, CJC 1295 with the drug affinity complex with ipamorlin for kind of like a growth hormone, anti-aging
1: stack And they're working awesome. Um, I'm not a big fan of the secretagog injectables because I like MK677 more because it seems to be as effective. Technically it wouldn't work on the same GHRH receptor, it just works on the GHRP receptor, but there's supposed to be some type of secondary feedback that the MK six seventy seven works on the GHRH and um, also the GHRP and also the GHRH receptor. You know,
0: I've used MK six seventy seven tons of times, and mm-hmm. you know, I've I've had some really good experiences with using the CJC and the Ivan The and what I've noticed is the MK677 makes me really fucking hungry and makes me right. lethargic throughout the day and i guess that's cuz it's it's right. antagonizing that the the greeling more so than the other ones probably it,
1: it stimulates it's directly a ghrelin stimulator just like ghrp6 would be which i believe emeparelin is what ghrp6 or ghrp2
0: it's two it's derivative of ghrp2 so it, and it's it, right. like, supposed to be like the most selective where it's just sending out small bursts of GH pulses and it's not supposed to interact with all the, any of the other receptors allegedly
1: is the way I'm through receptor that it works. All of them, except for CJC, are GHRP, which is ghrelin receptor and agonists, they stimulate the ghrelin receptor and that's what causes the GH to be released. GHRH is a different receptor, which only CJC1295 works on. And if you're trying to do burst, you would do it without the DAC, not with the DAC typically. So you could stack GHR, but to me, it's so much work. When, if you're trying to burn fat, you're better off just using the GH fragment. If you're trying to build muscle, just use the LR3 or... If you want to have constant bombardment with GH, injecting regular GH. That when it comes to the secretagogues, I think that it's a lot of, it's very technical. And unless the person is that sophisticated with their diet and their training, then they're just wasting their time trying to pull it together. You know, like, for instance, another example would be, if somebody eats Jimmy John's and Krispy Kreme and McDonald's, but they're injecting igf one deaths mid-workout. It's like you're really going to go stop your workout to go out to your car to inject your muscle, and you're that dedicated towards using the drugs, but you're not dedicated to your diet, which is 90% of it in this case for growing. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Or, like, you're not squeezing your contractions to generate the blood flow in the pump that would actually facilitate the IGF-1 getting spread throughout the muscle. So I find that the the, the secretagogues are hard to use, whereas there's things that are as effective or more effective that are cheaper. And that's why I'm a big fan of either GH or GH and the FRAG, uh, um, IGF-1, LR3, or the MK677. But I've never used optimized peptides, GHRP six or CJC one two nine five without the DAC. Mm-hmm. I bet if I if I use the mixture added one hundred micrograms twice a day, but wasn't using GH, that would probably be better. Yeah, I what I do is that
0: twelve ninety five, CJC twelve ninety five with the drug affinity complex. Because for anybody that doesn't know what the the DAC is that allows that, that compound to stay in your system a lot longer with, so you don't have to use it throughout the day multiple times. So you can actually use the CJC-1295 with the Drug Affinity Complex or DAC once every four to five days, and it'll stay in your system. So what I've noticed is that, that 1295 gives me the benefits of MK-677 Without all the fucking hunger side effects.
1: But see, with me, my issue when I'm trying to grow is I can't eat enough to grow. Oh,
0: God. Then MK677 is your ticket then.
1: Most <laughs> people that you wouldn't use a secretagog or a pulsatile GH release when you're cutting because you'd be using the fragment for fat loss. Yeah so you wouldn't you'd use either mk677 in the off season or you'd use a gh and gh fragment pre contest yeah there'd be no reason to now if my understanding is if you're stimulating the ghrh receptor perpetually you won't get pulsatile release you desensitize it what That's I, why you yeah, want it the DAC.
0: well what i all One thing I do know is I've talked to several people that have used the GHRP-6, and they have told me that it makes them
1: almost unbearably hungry. Right, because the GHRP-6, like MK-677, is a ghrelin agonist, a synthetic ghrelin. You're injecting the hunger hormone right into your body, which goes right to your brain and makes you start hungry.
0: Like I, I actually talked to a guy on Instagram the other day. Because you know he was telling me like the difference between the GHRP two and the GHRP six, and he basically said the six made him so damn hungry he probably would have eaten the drywall out of his house if he ran out of food. Like it just like that's all you think about. And I was like Jesus, that's right. just fucking miserable. But some people right, need to is, gain weight,
1: so which is why I use melanotan with those. If I was going to inject GHRP six. I would put melanotan in the same syringe so that on top of being insanely hungry, I'm incredibly nauseous at the same time.
0: Yeah. And I just, so that way, I just, use, you can I just it. used melanotan too, for the first time a few days ago. And I used a small amount cause I'm really fair skinned. I used like 50 micrograms and I even got kind of nauseated
1: then. Right. It's, and I'll use a whole milligram. Jesus and that Christ. So nauseous that Any thought of food makes you want to throw up, and all you think about is food. So all you think about is food, and all you think about is throwing up, and you're just – and that way, when you start to actually exercise, it takes the blood away from your intestines and puts it through your muscles, and it's the only time you're not in pain.
0: Now, Now,
1: for anybody listening, he's not talking about
0: melatonin. He's talking about melanotan 2, which is a peptide that actually increases melanin in your skin to make you more tan.
1: It's basically was developed at University of Arizona in 1995 to protect people from skin cancer. And the United States government banned it because there's so much money made by the pharmaceutical company letting people get skin cancer and then treating them for their skin cancer, that it it wasn't financially beneficial for people to actually not get skin cancer. So other countries that are civilized, like Scandinavian countries, Great Britain, Western Europe, that have fair people, but don't have for-profit capitalist healthcare, they've got socialized medicine where the government loses money on people getting sick rather than makes money on people getting sick they allow those people to check this drug that basically is like a Kevlar vest against the skin damaging effects of the sun. But the way that it works isn't like sunblock, it doesn't just reflect the UV lights, it releases the melanin in the skin that turns brown when ultraviolet light hits it. So if you don't have melanin in your skin, when ultraviolet beams A hit your cells, it causes double-stranded DNA breakage which can result in mismatch repair and eventually cancerous skin cells by releasing this melanin, the melanin absorbs the ultraviolet light and gets darker. So this is a thousand times more effective than tanning. So I can get darker off of 10 tanning sessions with one bottle of melanotan than I would if I used a hundred tanning sessions without it. Now I, I got
0: melanotan too from optimized peptides Uh, that it's, What's the difference between Milano Tan 2 and, and just regular Milano Tan? I mean, because I've never I seen Milano
1: Tan ever. I, I don't think it's uh, – I think five or ten years ago, they improved the formula, and no one's seen the original since.
0: Oh, okay. So basically, Milano Tan 2 is like the new and improved version, I guess.
1: <laughs> and MT2 is a staple, and it's amazing how many bodybuilders you'll talk to that have no idea what they're doing. And every, basically, the people who talk about it a lot are the ones who know the least. The people who actually know what they're doing aren't going to share very often because they could be charging.
0: Yeah. Well, I've seen a lot of bodybuilding lore saying that you got to front load it with like 500 micrograms and all this bullshit. That's not true. Like my protocol that I'm using is I'm starting low and tapering up because I want to mitigate side effects.
1: What I do is I just use summer. I mean, because it's so powerful, the nausea, the first couple of days. I'll use 250 micrograms once a day for three days, then 250 twice a day, then 500 twice a day, then 1,000 every day. And usually that nausea just turns into a lack of appetite after a few days if you stay on top of it. Yeah. And that makes it easier to go without eating. Now I noticed that it has a little bit of
0: a almost PDE uh, five inhibitor effect too. Like it's supposed album.
1: to. That's how the U.S. government was able to rationalize them making it illegal. Is that because it can cause boners? They've instead of it being used to prevent skin cancer, it's because this is a for-profit capitalist country of vanity that they're pushing it as a boner medication. So so because it's been tied up for 15 years in testing on giving people boners without nausea, they can't separate the nausea from the boner effect. So therefore it's never going to get released. And since it's never going to be released, it'll never be legal. And that way they can keep as many people getting cancer as possible so they can prescribe them, um, skin cancer surgeries and skin cancer medications well i don't think it's
0: illegal i think it's one of those things where you can use it if it's for research on your pet rat
1: it's That's. (laughs) i mean it's not legal for you to purchase it and use it on yourself it's gray market because it's a research chemical and that it's illegal to sell it to someone for the purpose of them using it on themselves. But it's not illegal for you to buy it for the purposes of yourself. So most of the peptide companies require you to check a box that says you intend this for research purposes only. But once that box checked, the the site's not legally responsible for what you actually use it for. Yeah, if they sold it to you under the auspice you were going to use it appropriately. Whereas. The point is, it's not dangerous. It's used all throughout Europe. It's just that the U.S. government gets money from the pharmaceutical companies, and the pharmaceutical companies make chemotherapy. So if no one had cancer, they'd be losing a lot of money. So they want you to have cancer.
0: Hey, man, i tell you what. Half the shit that's illegal is nowhere near as uh, dangerous as Mountain Dew, right?
1: <laughs> or, or, or Bud Light. I don't have a problem with Mountain Dew. I have a problem with sugar. Yeah. That So sugar is an ingredient. And I think that sugar is a leading cause of death indirectly. I mean, heart disease, diabetes, diabetes leads to heart disease. All of of the major causes of death are metabolic illnesses and all the metabolic illnesses are caused by obesity and almost all obesity is due to sugar. So Anything that's got sugar in it, it's worse for you than any steroid, PED, even overdosing on the shit, you can't shoot enough steroids to kill yourself. It's no.
0: impossible. No, you'll just end up doing what Boston Lloyd does and waste a bunch of money on gear. <laughs> it
1: just, just all that happens is your body builds up a tolerance really quickly. And if and it's a good point, if Boston Lloyd didn't manage to kill himself, nobody could, because that guy makes very bad decisions. He seems intelligent when he talks, but his actions seem very dumb. So it's a perfect example of someone who could be intelligent but unwise.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to use three grams of testosterone a a week. You
1: know, I do that, but I use zero. I use no testosterone. No, I don't use a single milligram that I have my Thor's hammer product, which gives me enough of a testosterone level to be sexually functional. And then I use anabolics to do what anabolics are designed to do, which is grow muscle or in the case of cutting for a show, to burn fat and preserve muscle at the same time and preserve strength. If you lose strength, you're gonna lose white fibers. If you lose white fibers, you lose, lose acid. So you don't wanna lose any muscle. You don't wanna lift lighter. You have to preserve your strength. And that's why Tren or Windstraw are so great and only great contest because they prevent you from losing strength. They prevent you from losing muscle. They burn fat directly. Um, it inhibits cortisol also trends known to increase igf4 igf1 production and it also increases the functional aspect of thyroid hormones so every which way shape and form that those two drugs could work together to burn fat and preserve muscle they do and the irony is Tren is one of the only drugs to ever Increase muscle mass and a calorie deficit. And this genius at optimum research just created a new form of trend. And I didn't think in my lifetime I'd ever seen new steroids developed, but it's a new form of trend called dimethyl trienolone. And one milligram of di- of this super trend is worth a hundred milligrams of regular trend. So if steroids took steroids, it would be Tren. And if Tren took Tren, it would be tren,
0: Which I guess that's a double, methyl,
1: double methylated Tren. I mean, I don't understand why it's stronger, but it's night and day different. As soon as I added it into my program, I saw immediate changes in my physique and personality. And three days later, the personality changes went away. And like the paranoid delusional schizophrenia and the homicidal mania and the, what do you call it, rage outburst, completely went away after three days. But I kept getting the results from the, so usually my mind bounces back from the psychological effects of drugs very quickly, but my body doesn't stop responding.
0: Well, I think uh, when we get you on here in another week or two, hopefully before your competition. We should have an entire episode about trend.
1: <laughs> I mean, we could do an episode on every goddamn thing. That's the thing about, I feel bad because there's going to be people who want to hear just gear shit and they're going to have to hear my psychosocial um, snowflake hating bullshit. And they're like, I really like Todd the scientist. I hate Todd the person. That's okay. You don't have to like me. You don't have to agree with me. I want people to learn. I just don't want to dilute some of the more valuable lessons just to get to the science lessons. Yeah. Agreed. You can take All the steroids in the world and have giant muscles. But if you're a whiny pussy, if your goal was to actually have happy relationships, you're not going to that. It's more important not to be a pussy than to have big muscles or low body fat. And people don't want to hear that because there's no drug they can take to not be a pussy. <laughs> There's no dra-
0: drug to take. They cannot make you be a pussy. I know a lot of
1: guys that take testosterone, think it's going to make them more masculine, and they get more feminine. It's like the reason you're a pussy is because you convert testosterone to estrogen. So the more testosterone you take, the more estrogen in your body, the more of a whiny pussy you become. Yeah. So if you don't want to be a whiny pussy, don't use test. Or take a shitload of aromidex. I know some force recon marines that take testosterone and they get drier. So it's like, okay, they don't have any pussy in them. So giving them testosterone doesn't convert to estrogen. It converts to DHT. So the thing about testosterone is it's a pro hormone that can either be completely wet and feminine, or it can completely be dry and masculine. You don't know what the fuck it's going to do, but whatever it does it's going to be the opposite of what you're taking it for. Whereas, if you choose an antibiotic steroid that you know what it's going to do, then you actually get the results you're looking for.
0: Yeah. Well, Todd, I'm, I want to go ahead and wrap this up here. And then, All right. um,
1: so next week,
0: uh, we'll go ahead and do another episode because I'm sure that people are definitely at least going to learn something from your content on here on these
1: podcasts? I hope so. I mean, it's just, the thing is, I don't want it to just be my opinions. I want it to be us discussing stuff with other guests about all types of topics that are related to being the best person someone can be, whether it's accountability or force of will or physical form the body is just a small portion of who you are there's the mind and the soul too
0: yeah and i'd also like to do an episode in the near future about entrepreneurship because that's that's my big thing so but uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here and uh, i want to thank you for coming on todd and uh, we'll talk to you soon all right cool buddy thank right. you